the people of sake actually brought me into sake. Back in 1988, this place was actually in Ginza on the main drag. At first it was kind of soy sauce, it was miso. To the point where it actually changed my life. New Year's Day 1989. Uh, not just sake as a beverage, but all the culture and history. Of Hello there! Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sake on Air, the world's podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue around Japan's iconic beverages, sake, shochu, and awamori. I'm one of your regular hosts on the show, Chris Hughes. I'm also joined by one of your other regular hosts, John Gordner. So without further ado, I would like to introduce this episode's guest. We have with us none other than the genius behind those innovative aluminium cans that you might have seen popping up around the world, Mr. Katsunari Sawada. Um, there was just so much amazing insight in this interview that we just couldn't leave on the cutting room floor. So we have divided the interview into two parts. Anyway, without further ado, make yourself comfy with your favorite beverage and enjoy the show. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Saki on Air, the world's first podcast dedicated to expanding the dialogue surrounding Japan's iconic beverages, sake, shochu, and of course, awamori. Normally, we'd be recording at the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in the heart of Tokyo, but for this particular episode, we are uh, recording online remotely. My name is Chris Hughes, one of your regular hosts, and I am joined today by another of your regular hosts, although we don't get to hear from him uh, all that often, so it is quite special when he is able to come on the show, and I am, of course, talking about the wonderful John Gortner. John, how are you doing? Hi, Chris. Like how are you? Treating you. I'm fine. <laughs> well, thank you. Life's treating me fairly well, thank you very much. Um, I'm in the United States right now, so it's a bit earlier in the day than it is for you guys. Um, and I've been here for both family reasons and work reasons. I am promoting this line of sake that I export to the U.S. And also I had a chance uh, back a month and a half or so ago to visit the new Asahi Shuzo Dasai facility in upstate New York. Uh, they'll open officially later next month, uh, but they did have a little bit of Monomi uh, in play. Um, it's an extremely interesting visit. So that's what I've been up to over here. Wow. And to uh... add to that, I'm very much looking forward to the at the, getting back to Japan in early fall and getting to all the tastings that they'll be having, the Shinkai that they'll be having for the first time in years. I'm really looking forward to that. Absolutely. Well, so you'll be you'll be coming to live in Japan soon, right? Yeah, I'll be uh, basically having Japan as my base again uh, from next month. What month are we in? No, from, from early September. Wonderful. Looking forward to um, going around tasting some sake with you at uh, various sake events. So, without further ado, um, I would like to introduce to uh, this episode's guest. We have with us none other than the genius behind um, the aluminium sake cans that you might have seen here and there around the world. Uh, the very wonderful Mr. Katsunari Sawada. Hello, Sawada-san. Hello, I'm a Katsunari Sawada. I'm here in Tokyo, in Japan. Thank you very much for joining us. Can you start by just telling our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Katsunari Sawada, uh, CEO of the ID10 Japan, which is the branding consulting company. But uh, we started the Kand Sake business, a so-called the Krowan. 
And we just started, but it's quite new. And then thanks to our experience to the branding and uh, exporting the sake, which is a small the quantity of the volume, which is only the one to the 50 countries more. Currently, we are able to uh, more than 100 countries to uh, the aluminum can sake. This it's amazing experiences. It's amazing, you know, like uh, the sake experience, experience to the world. How does it work? Say if someone wants to buy a can, um, what it, what actually happens? How does the can get from uh, Japan to uh, their their door? Now, what are the actual legal logistics involved? Yeah. In fact, you know, uh, we tried the uh, the reason to start the Krawan, which is the 180 milliliter cans, is uh, uh, that we are not, you know, can sake store company. We are telling to the uh, the sake special experiences to the world. So we started first of all to logistic with the story. So our company have a license to exporting. And also we have a license to purchase the sake. So our company have uh, three rules. One is to get the order from Japan or all over the world. Second is to purchase the sake. It's like a liquor shop. Third is logistic. So we are uh, deliver the sake and also canned sake to the consumer or restaurant uh, directly from us. So there is no like mediator, uh, like, you know, like the importer or something. But if some of the importer wanted to help or they wanted to buy and to introduce their customer, it's a possible. Which countries are you uh, exporting to at the moment? At moment, on the, on the you know, document, we are able to deliver more than 150 countries more. But we had experiences, the 50 countries. But unfortunately, without Canada and the US. Ah, okay. So <laughs> that answers your question, John. <laughs> yeah, because of it certainly does. Well, in, in fact, just as you were talking, I'm thinking, as you were saying that, I'm thinking, wait a minute, he can't do the U.S. and he can't do he can't do Canada, at least not legally. And then right after that, you said it. <laughs> the same two countries I nailed. So. We really wanted to, you know, the uh, the deliver our account socket to United States and Canada. The Canada, also live in the Montreal, so especially. But, you know, this is not illegal just for, you know, like uh, the partnership issues so uh, we are able to do that but uh, step by step and then we are looking for the partner who are understand our policy and the missions then start so you heard it if there's anyone out there in the us uh, listening to this who happens to be um, running or working for an, an importer of mm -hmm. not necessarily sake i mean you know um, anything from japan and you're interested in perhaps uh, becoming a partner of this uh, project, uh, yeah. get in touch. And we'll, we'll obviously give out contact details at the end and put it on the, our website. So I decided I actually have a couple more questions about that. Yes. Um, so based on my experience, if you uh, want to import the sake into the United States, 
there's many, many things that has to be done, like label registration and chemical analysis and importer has to be specified. And then that's just getting it into the United States. Your importer will have to have a relationship with a distributor in every single state that you want to go to. Now, of course, if you get the top four or five uh, sake drinking states, you're going to be fine. Uh, and then there's things like with the FDA, you've got to do, what do they call it? Facility registration. That is just so much paperwork. <laughs> and so I guess, although you can chip it in, on top of that, if I looked at the list of breweries that you're handling, a number of them are already going to the United States. Not all of them, but I would say probably about half of them. And if they're already going into the United States, there's a good chance that they have a legal relationship with the importer that they're currently using, which would mean you need to get legal permission to do that. And that's going to be tough. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to want to give you legal permission. So uh, have you looked at all those challenges? Yeah, uh, because the uh, until two weeks ago, we had delivered the 720 uh, as a sample to the United States. So this is anyway our first time to deliver the sake to the United States, and I had experience to the first of all to get the FDA, and then to you know one, two, three step. Oh, I understand that this is a tough process, and also I talked to the CEO of Tipsy, and the Mr. Genki Ito. Yeah, and I had a long a lot, and then uh, you know now we have uh, twenty one brands from the 14 brewery companies but that brand is our private brand which means i am our owner of these brands not each brewery is not owner so importer asked to ask just me to more document i mean the paperwork but the fda which is concerned about which factory they're gonna make so I need to ask to the each brewer company, have you ever registered FDA on your, you know, like uh, factory? Yes or no? They say, no, we can help to that. Then uh, we're going to start to the register and step by step. And also in the US, they have a three tier system, right? And an importer cannot do like a shop, da, 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 da. So I'm thinking to start or set up or tie up like an importer in the United States. I'm not sure which state is better or not, but to make an importer, then they should have, or they uh, help to have logistic company network. So I'm trying to do the research, uh, take an interview of John or Tipsy and Genki, or what is the best way to you know, like uh, expand the Crown in the United States market. I see. Can I clarify something? And um, maybe John, you you already uh, know know the answer to this. But so when you were talking about making brands, private brands, is this kind of like a white label thing? So basically, the the brewery makes the sake, and you essentially put your own label on the sake. Got it. Okay, just. I can show you some example. Please look at this good example. So we're looking at a um, a white white tube, <laughs> a white cylindrical. This is the same height of seven hundred twenty. Yes, 
but inside one crown one Two crown, three crown. But a Russian doll. Yeah, it's kind of the gift yeah. box, anyways. So you can see this is like a level. So this one is that we are uh we allow to use the you know the each brewery company brand logo. Right. But the things is our design. We buy the the sake as a liquid you know as a liquid and I put it into the this bottle so this one itself is our you know private brand and inside sake is the same uh same sake of 720 design looks like same of 720 but this one is our brands but overseas that would look like the same brand right that would look like the same sake. Sure, I mean legally, what you say is correct, but I, you know, in a in a society in the U.S. where legal action is common, another importer of the same brand might say, "Wait, wait, wait, wait! It's the same liquid, or it's the same name. We've been bringing in this name for all this time, and now these guys are coming in on the side." Uh, and it's just no matter what they say, legally, even if it's okay, they're violating uh, the path that we built. Uh, are you concerned at all about legal action like that? I think there'd be a lot of it to tell you the truth. You're you're talking about exclusivity contracts, right? Not yes, basically. Yeah, or maybe not necessarily in... even contracts, just uh, track records that could be legally considered to be violating things like that. So in this case, we have okay, the the Kravan have uh, two categories. One is so-called Kravan classic which is associated with like original brewery brand, brewery design it. It's a Kraban classic. The other one is Kraban original, which is like different design and focusing on, focusing on concept, like a sake good for pizza, sake good for hamburger, like that. More easy, more easy to, you know, go into the market. A brand is only the back of the level. So totally two categories. And back to the Kravan classic, I always ask to ask the brewery companies, this brand, this product, I mean, Kravan classic, is able to go to United States or is able to go into like UK, is going to the Singapore, what da 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 da. Because we have a chart, brand name and market name. And if say yes, go, no, we not go. If like triangle, ask to the importer. Because this one is quite helpful for the importer because it's a small quantity and very compact this size. So some, almost all importer is welcome because this, it is helpful. If they want to get more, more cost effectiveness, they should buy more bottle, which means we just introduce to the importer. I mean, we get a new customer and introduce the importer. So this is the depend on importer answer and depend on brewery brewery answers. So you sell it as um, an introductory size, something just to sort of get the consumer interested, get the market, build the market. And then once the, the market is built, 
then you, you can start exporting the 720 milliliter, or rather the brewery can start exporting the 720 milliliter Correct. Uh, size. Right. Yeah. I think actually what he was talking about is if there's something already, for example, coming into the United States, then the importer of that that's already coming in uh, probably will not argue with, with, with what Kodamon's trying to do because it's going to help them. It's just kind of little, little things coming in and help promote what's already going through in larger formats, which are obviously economically more viable, uh, yes. I think is what you said, correct? Yes. Yeah, so there's that leads to two more questions. Go ahead. And Go you ahead. can see, this is the, you can see the two QR code, right? One QR code is more information in details about this product and about this brewery companies in five languages, English, French, Japanese, Chinese, traditional, Chinese simplified. The other QR code is to go to the list of shops or restaurants where customer is able to buy it. Of course, it's a free of charge to introduce this you know, consumer to that uh, the importer list. So this one quite helpful, I believe, to that each importer or you know, like a promoter to get the new uh, the potential customers. Every time you say something, it leads to three more questions. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's going to be, I'm honestly trying to be helpful. And although the questions might be pointed, but that led to three more questions. Number one, you know, if you're Kuda One classic line, right? Mm -hmm. By the time you ask all the questions, can you go here? Can you go here? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? I think many, many times, the, the, the a lot of brands are going to say, no, we can't. So to me, in the long run, the number of breweries that you can actually use is going to be pretty limited simply because... There's so many problems. Not can't go to Singapore. Not can't go to the U.S. By the time you get all the boxes checked, yes, it's not going to be as many as you might want. Mm -hmm. So I'll stop. I'll ask you that question first. Have you thought about that? Yeah, because the um, that's the reason we started the Kraban Classic, and then the other one is the Classic Kraban Original. So that is a very important issue because the Kraban uh, Classic is uh. Because uh, we're back to half year, we we have uh, the six months experience. A lot of uh, who is that, who are interested about this Kraban Classic is who knows already this brand. That person's always thinking about original price of seven hundred twenty, calculated this one hundred eighty. So it's like a twenty five percent off. But normally it's not because of uh, you know like adjustment price or da 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 da. So uh, this one is always uh, is uh, more the you know like uh, Crown Classic is a product of uh, each brewery company's products more. Because right now is in Japan the bottle is very, very difficult to get the new bottles. And also the price of the bottle is very high for the brewery companies. So I propose to the brewery company, this Crowan 3 is a replacement of 720. Tim? Yes, my... so ba basically there is, what you're saying is there's a glass bottle shortage in Japan right now, right? So many breweries are struggling to buy new glass bottles or you know make new glass make new bottles basically so actually in japan there is a bit of a trend happening where many breweries are now switching to other um 
types of containers for, for their sake. Yeah. Sorry, please continue. Yeah. So so this is like a Krabban classic is we also promote this one and also ask the brewery company to promote bottle and also this uh, the Krabban classic. In this time, this Krabban classic is owner is sometimes us or sometimes the brewery companies. I got you. So in other words, you're offering a new size, a new container to the breweries that the breweries can then themselves sell via their official channels to their official importers around the world. Yes. Yeah, so, that seems like a better option to me, like the, rather than try and sort of get, get in between these very complicated relationships and networks that are already established with various rules that you have to follow. And it's <laughs> different for every country around the world. And correct me if I'm wrong, but are you not providing a subscription service to some countries? So you pay so much every month and then you send like uh, like three cans every month. How, how does this subscription service work and how are you how are you delivering the sake for this subscription service? Because currently the subscription services, uh, we started in the uh, good, you know, like a good appreciation by the each consumers, I mean, buyers, but uh, a lot of uh, comment, uh, we get a lot of comments about shipping cost. Each month, consumer pay for shipping cost. If so, they want to buy in one time, much cheaper. Yes, of course, buying volume, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we are right now uh, rethinking about the uh, uh, subscription model what is the most valuable for consumers or buyers? So right now it's just a stop and we just wait six months. And then we're gonna start the subscription model next from next January. And this will be a new model. So something which is more, more cost-effective for the consumer. Yeah. Maybe, is it gonna be like, are you gonna maybe decrease the uh, frequency? of the deliveries, so maybe delivering once a year or once every six months or something like that? Yes, I think, because it depends on the delivery cost. Because uh, right now is Krabban Classic is uh, calculated the price is depend on the 720 price, right? So uh, if we do like 3000 Japanese DM, divide uh times 25% a little bit a little bit you know expensive than image of cans so what is starting point it is like can sake or like a replacement of 720 sake so we would like to replacement of 720 it much easier for the consumer understand the quantity and quality. Yeah, I wanted to, um, you, you mentioned a little bit about, I think you were kind of alluding to the, the image that uh, cup sake has, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So this is very interesting actually, because when I first heard about Kura One and what it was, I thought you were basically just making a modern version of the cup sake. Mm -hmm. Right, which which already exists, right? You already have cup sake, and cup sake is already available around the world. 
how 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 do you feel feel about that? Was that kind of was there any kind of um were you trying to do that? Were you inspired by the cup, Saki? Were you trying to um am I going down a correct path of um inquiry here is there any kind of relation to cup sake in any in any kind of way oh thank you very much talking about the uh one cup sake because um my personality you know i'm not so sake drinker i'm always looking for the very good you know like uh, the specific sake only and then uh one cup sake is uh it's like more starter i think and then more cheaper but uh quantity is a little bit you know just a normal nothing more but um uh, it's the same again in japan is like a manufacturer of one cup sake glass there are two manufacturers are stop to make one cup sake in last oh, year. Really? Yes. Oh really? Okay. Yes. Only only one big company with some small company is available to make one cup, you know, like a, the the glasses. Which means a lot of brewery company looking for new something you know, like can or something, you know, like uh, the an alternative to glass, basically, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Okay. If they continue to glasses, the price should be high. And also glasses, it's a transparent, it's not good quality, not good, you know, impact for the sake. So it doesn't protect the sake very well. Yes, like a root of iron or something. Light gets through. So, yeah. So as much as my experience to interview with brewery companies, they are really, really looking for some replacement of uh, from one cup sake to something, paper or like tube or cans. But cans is very light and 100% of uh, cut off or ultra vibrate, light. So it's very good you know, like a con good quality container for sake. It's also um, relatively environmentally friendly, isn't it? Aluminum, right? Um, More than 95 or 96% of uh, the usage. I did some work for a brewery and, and they actually were switching to aluminum cans because of the environmental impact more than anything else. That's what they were using as their marketing book. Um, yes. So there are various different angles with which to to promote these these cans. Um, it seems. Right. It, it seems to me though that the cans are a good thing, uh, but I don't think the choice of material for your product is going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got many, many, many other problems. I mean, the cans look great. They're strong. They're light. They're recyclable. They're going to be great. And I think that you are ahead of the curve because I, I also think that a lot of brewers in Japan will switch from glass to cans. That's great. That's fine. <laughs> but still, I think you've got uh, a number of other challenges uh, that I think are going to, are going to be a bigger issue. Um, so uh, I asked once about, you know, limited number of products you can actually use because of all of the conditions that everybody needs to check off before you can do that. Uh, 
Can I ask my next question that popped up when you said something earlier? <laughs> uh, so to me, I mean, honestly, business-wise, I'm wondering how scalable the project is and how profitable it will be. Because as you pointed out, um, if uh, people buy your can and they like it, the next time they'll probably want a 720 milliliter bottle. Mm -hmm. Right? But that means you just lost a customer. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, you know, you just like the profit per can can't be so high. So unless you sell a whole lot of cans, it's going to be challenging in the long run to have this be a profitable enterprise. But you're going to have trouble selling a whole lot of cans. If everybody drinks the can and say, wow, this is really good. I'm going to buy a bottle next time. Do you also see the challenge of scalability and profitability? Have you considered that? And if so, how do you plan to address that long term? Yeah. Um, thank you very much. You're uh, concerned about our future. In business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you do like this, the, uh, you know, Caravan uh, Classic, and then, you know, the, the price of uh, 720 the fix already, and the price of our uh, purchase from sake is a little bit high. So profit is very small. But, you know, for contribute, the sake industry is very, very good point. But uh, thinking about the long-term business, we need, you know, like our own uh, brand or cans. I mean, the content, I mean, sake itself so-called Fabris model. So we are uh, like uh, the architecture of sake, you know, itself, like more acid or more sweet or more dry, da, 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 da. So and tr we try to do our own brand, I mean, own brand sake itself. And you want to make your, your own sake? Yeah. Right. And we are like an architect who designed sake itself. And designed it for good, uh, the each purpose like pizza or chocolate or whatever. Da, 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 da. So, we, so this was the Kura One original, yes, um, right. branding line that you talked yeah. about earlier. Yes, and it, that is a good business for for ourselves, and also price itself more. We are able to reduce it. So we have a uh, two lines. It's more you know good for. Uh, sake industry, the other is good for the business. Mm. That led to another question. Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, for example, if you guys are the architects of sake, I mean, it seems to me you're trying to promote the goodness of brewing companies that have been around for decades and decades or sometimes hundreds of years, and they'll each have their own style, right? For example, this particular company is like this. Well, I think we can use brands. I mean, Nambubijin is a very easy to describe style. Light, fresh, aromatic, right? And so if you guys, if Kuda One comes in and says, well, actually, we're going to make something that goes with pizza. So make your sake like this, right? Or make your sake like this. All of a sudden, they're not the Kuramoto, uh, they're not sake representative of the actual brewer, but more your design. And to me, that takes away from the original style of the brewery. Mm -hmm. I really respect 
to the each brewer companies their history and their philosophy and their way of the thinking. I really respect of that. So uh, looking to the sake industry, uh, there are like making original sake and there is no uh, no brewery company's name. I mean, only promote their own brands. This is a, one of the uh, business model, but I really promote the brewery company's brand itself and also local, you know, like a unique point, a local areas. I'm trying to connect to the sake, local uniqueness, and brewery companies. And then the best way is to promote the uh, Kuramoto original brand itself. But uh, because of the, uh, uh, the price, I mean, the cost, if they say it's difficult, we have to thinking of the next way, which means we will buy whole tank of the typical brands. This is the one of the way. And the other one is we're gonna buy rice ingredients itself in advance. We're gonna pay for it in advance. So please do not use any promotion. Only use your cost to, to make the sake itself. So which is able to reduce the cost it should be. Leave the promotion up to you, basically. Yeah. So I think I, I read in a, an article that uh, you set a goal of making sake a global brand. Mm -hmm. So is that your end goal? That ties into what you're doing by getting more, more sake out there, by getting more products out there, more for people to choose from. Mm -hmm. So, But uh, in Japan, as you know, uh, the branding, the sake, there are many approaches. One is to focusing on luxury brands. One 700, no, 720 is more than 10,000 US or 2,000 US or sometimes it's 10,000 US. So that is one of the approach. My background, my expertise is branding. So I'm so interested that approach. I wanted to do that, but I asked to myself, what is our company mission? What it is, is to brand, sake, sake brand making in the world. What should I do is to deliver the sake itself, not only story, but also product. So how to deliver the smoke, uh, how to deliver sake to so many countries, we should make small quantity. Second is more easy to deliver. So which means we should not use like heavy container, which means the bottles. So we, sh we only take cans. So um, I really follow my belief or my, you know, philosophy, my, you know, the, uh, the, the core ideas. So we, we should do three steps. One is to make as much as uh, to introduce uh, the sake itself. Sake is more variety. Sake is made by rice and rice koji and water mainly. And they are so uh, enjoyable aroma, 
sometimes it's a fruity or sometimes sometimes a lychee like that. So we need to, you know, we need to target the many countries as much as much as possible. One, the other one is to deliver, and third is to make to make a fun, to make uh, uh, the connection, direct connection uh, between brewery companies and you know each uh, consumers, which means deduction of con you know, deduction promotion cost because they are able to connect to each other. They understand what our brand is a strong point or something. This is a really, sorry to jump in, Sawada-sama, this is a really important point, actually. I think this is one of the biggest um, benefits of your cans. Um, and actually, this is the benefit of the can format, the way you've designed it. You effectively have a 360 degree, um, you have 360 degree real estate to, to market the sake. You completely cover the can with lots of information. You know, how to enjoy it, what type of food it goes with. What is the flavor profile? What ingredients are used? What is the story of the brewery? And when you think about the traditional glass bottle, you only have this one back label on the back. And you know, breweries are always struggling with help from with their partners overseas to cram as much information as they possibly can into this tiny back label. And they, they have to follow all these regulations to make sure that the font size is a particular size. And they're very limited to actually how much information they could actually I I have experience trying to make back labels in, in the UK. And it was a, a nightmare. The, all the stuff that you want to put in there, but you, you can't because you have to, you have very little space to do that. So I think that is one of the biggest um, advantages of using the can, of, of designing the can in the way that you, it's a beautiful looking can. Thank you. Um, a beautiful yeah, looking nice, product, yeah. it really is. And that will do it for part one. We will be back with part two in just a few weeks' time. Please take a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you may be enjoying the show on, and feel free to send your questions and comments to questions at sakionair.com or at sakionair on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You'll find us over on YouTube as well. We'll be back with more Sakionair in just two weeks. Until then, Kampai. Sake on Air is made possible with the generous support of the Japan Sake and Shochu Makers Association and is broadcast from the Japan Sake and Shochu Information Center in Tokyo. The show is a co-production between Export Japan and Pots K Productions with editing and sound production by Frank Walter.